I didn't know you could sing tenor. You got up there pretty high. Yeah. Man, I thought David just killed my voice the way he went up on that Noel stuff with tenor. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not on the book I read. <laughs> it's a little too high for me. All right, let's see who we got here. Let's see if I can do this. There we go. Welcome, Clarence Manley, Charlene Gutridge, two other people, Julie Marsky, Todd and Yvonne Bauer, all the way from Jacksonville, Henry and Ruth Zoner, plus David, Rochelle McBride, Phyllis Michaels, Sally Jester Stevenson, uh, this Bowers again, Deborah Hamlin Mitchell, Judy Sadwick, Deborah and Bill's with her, I'm assuming, Dottie Huben and Jim, Ginger Fredrickson and CB, Jared and Lisa Bacon. Hey, Lisa, Jared, Christy, Christy, you're back here. And, and Jeff and Karen Acor and Christy, you need to give me a lesson. All of a sudden, it's coming up. It says, bring them on camera. You you don't know either. I'm not going to punch the button because we don't want to we don't want to do that, do we, Leon? We don't punch any buttons we don't know about. Welcome. We're glad you've joined us, whether you're here in person or whether you're online or, or whether you're watching at some later date because it will be recorded. Um, by the way, does anybody know what this Sunday's called? Do I? Now we we have <clears throat> we have a special name <clears throat> for this Sunday. And the Sunday after Easter are called Low Sundays because the attendance is normally <laughs> low. And especially, especially with Christmas the way it fell this year, next year it's going to be even worse. It's going to fall on Sunday. I don't know what y'all going to do. Um, yeah, it's going to be. A... Well, but hey, we survived, didn't we? We made it through Christmas. It's the day after. We made it. But even though we talked that way, I hope that the light of Christmas is still in you. And I hope that as you went through the holidays, through the Advent season, and it kept getting closer and closer to crunch time, Larry, you know what I mean? Like, we had to have the ham ready. Oh, I forgot that last package. You know, all that. I hope the light of Christ still stayed within you and shone within you, and I hope it's still growing even today and will in the next year. That's what we long for. Well, as we noticed in First Noel... Uh, this day, many churches are going to focus on the Magi coming to worship Jesus Christ. Uh, that seems to be a typical way that, that churches deal with some of this stuff. And I want to talk about that a little bit, but that's not going to be my, my main setting. But I want us to use that in the background. The Magi, we don't call them three kings because we don't know if they were kings. We don't know if there was three or 50 or 12 or how many. We just know there was three gifts. But they came to visit the child in Bethlehem. And apparently, apparently this is sometime later because we're told specifically they came to the house where Mary and Joseph were and that the child, not the baby, came out. And because Herod issues his murderous order and kills everyone to and under we're figuring it took them somewhere most for the test I had to put somewhere around 18 months okay that was for the test but somewhere between you know whenever we stop calling an infant a baby and start calling them a child which would be a toddler age to me somewhere in that age range is when the magi got there and they came and they brought gifts and they worshipped Jesus by giving those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
the gifts were not for a baby. The gifts were for a king. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, yesterday was Christmas, and did everybody in here give and get and exchange gifts and all that? Yeah, you did, didn't you? You gave a gift to your loved one, and your loved one gave a gift to you, but Lynn, yeah, I see you sitting there. I, 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 yeah, she said, uh-oh, he's called me out just like on the Zoom thing. Um, did you have a gift for Jesus under the tree? Ah, I mean, have you ever wondered where do we get this deal? This we celebrate Jesus's birthday; it's his birthday. Now, when you go to a birthday party, you normally take gifts for the birthday person, right? But on the birthday parties that we celebrate at Christmas, we take gifts for everybody else. You ever wonder where that come from? I, I could tell you, but I don't want to get into all of that. But you know, what would you think, Bob? I'll pick up. What would you think if when you throw that special birthday party for Faye next year and, and everybody comes but they bring gifts for different people not Faye? Oh, as long as they're for you. There's Bob. There's that great generous heart. You know, but think about it. You throw a birthday party for your kid and all these people come and they've got gifts for people you don't even know. What would you think about it? That's what we did yesterday. You ever thought about it? Now, let me get real personal. And Lynn, I won't pick on you. I'll pick on Larry this time. Did you give Jesus a gift yesterday? Larry's not answering. Oh. <laughs> okay, Larry. But... How many people do you think had a gift for Jesus yesterday? What? Oh, you forgot to, you forgot to get the gift for him, Faye. He, he wasn't on the list. Well, he is hard to buy with, buy for. I mean, you know, if he wants anything, he just says, Father, I think I want, and boom, it happens. You, you know, he does own the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, you know, so what do you get the person who has everything? kind of hard isn't it well you know as I've gotten older I've realized that the real gifts I long for long for on Christmas and my birthday are not physical things no Tom we're not talking about the house of Tennessee that can still come um, but you know the gifts that we really long for as we get older they're not material things as much we tend to long for things like love peace forgiveness mercy Acceptance for who I am or who the other person may be and, and being able to live in, into that, so to speak. So those things are not something you wrap under a tree necessarily. But they are things that you can exhibit during the year. And according to the scriptures, the things that Jesus wants from us are our love, our devotion, our obedience. He tells us that he would like for us to love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then we know from the parable of the Good Samaritan, the neighbor is not that person across the street or next door, but the person down the road that you don't really like that you just can't stand. And also the people that are your enemy. He wants us to love all of mankind, if you will. 
What would it look like if we were able to do that? What would the world look like if we could conduct our life the way Jesus wants to live it? How would the world change? How would your life change? By, by the way, me talking about that, this is a Wesleyan concept. We call it sanctification. And we actually believe that every believer that's called is to try to live to the best of their ability into this lifestyle. Sanctification. It's something Paul hinted at when he said, when we accept Christ, the new creature comes and the old is crucified and put away. It's something we talk about within theology as we say when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and you begin to live this new life and this is the way this new life is supposed to work. So, it's okay if you didn't get Jesus a gift yesterday. You know, there are other people that we probably forgot to buy for that didn't show up yesterday and we're going to give them a gift late. So, we can just give Jesus his gift a day late, can't we? So, we can do that. We can offer that gift to him now. What would that gift look like? Well, the Apostle Paul, in his book of Colossians today, he kind of um, gives us a hint of what we should look like. And that's what I want to focus on today. And as I do, I also want to remind you, I used the term you could bring this gift to Jesus today. You can also make it your New Year's resolution, that this is what you want to do. How does Jesus want us to live? What does the Apostle Paul say? And to find out, let's look at Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Now, I'm throwing you a kink. I'm using the New Living Translation. I'm doing it for a reason. One of the things we found in our Bible study, as we've had Bible study, is it doesn't matter which version you pick, NIV or NRSV or King Jimmy or the New King James or anything. A lot of times, uh, the people will say, I, I just can't understand that. So I'll pick up the Living Bible and we'll read it. And they say, oh, that makes a little more sense to me. Language has changed a little bit. Uh, the NRSV is kind of written, like written like a college textbook. And sometimes you've got to kind of think a little bit about that. They're great. Nothing wrong with them. They're better translations. But I just picked this for this particular sermon. So Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Since God chose you, to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. You ever wonder why would we do that? Why do we always do that when we read scriptures? What does a preacher always say in the word of God? For the people of God, you say thanks be to God. Well, you do it showing reverence to God's word. 
and showing the fact that you recognize that this is instructions or this is a gift from him that we want to live into. That's what it's done for. But notice what it said. It said, God chose you. You are God's chosen one. Bill back there and Paul and every, over here, Larry, every one of you are God's chosen one. Somebody that God picked intentionally. You weren't the leftovers. You weren't the last one left on the field standing when everybody else chose the team. Oh, I'll take him. He's like, no, you were the chosen one. God picked you. Out of everything else, God chose you and put you on his team. Jesus put it this way in John 15. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You know, we often get this idea that we chose God and we submitted to God. Well, we did. But God was right there trying to get us to do that from the time we were in the cradle. So it's kind of a misnomer. God worked upon us, and yes, we did bow our knee to him, but he chose us. And he chose us to be set aside, to be holy, to be special, if you will. And the apostle Peter, he put it this way in 1 Peter. He said, you were not like that. Now, if you go back and read the first eight verses, what he means is you're not being disobedient the way the other people were. You're obeying God. He said, you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Wow, isn't that wonderful? But, but I know there are people here, and this is, Lynn, I'll pick on you again, but I'm going to talk about myself. This is what I would say. There ain't no way I'm holy. You ain't seen me with all the warts and the scars, and you ain't seen me from my merchant marine days, and some of that still hangs on back here even though I don't want it to. You ain't seen me. There's no way I'm holy. But I can say this, I want to be. Do you want to be? I, I can't say I want to be holy. Well, Second Timothy said this to us. Paul said this in 2 Timothy. He's talking to, remember who Timothy was, his protege. This is probably his last letter to Timothy, his swan song, so to speak, in many ways. Paul writes, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. We know that. We've got some of us have fine china in the cabinet we only get to use on Christmas and Easter. Or maybe a wedding anniversary if you're lucky like Leon. You know, and, and then we've got the normal plates. And then if I'm doing dishes, we've got the paper plates. You don't want, you know, you've got the different stuff there. And that's what he's telling us here. Homes can have gold and silver or wooden clay instruments. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. The cheap ones are used for everyday use. We get that. Then he goes on, and he talks to you and I, he says, but if, if you keep yourself pure, substitute holy there, if you keep yourself holy, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. You see what he's saying? You have the choice of how you want to be used. You have the choice 
to be holy or not to be holy. We can choose to live a pure life. We can choose to try to live a clean life as much as we want to. And Paul echoes this in Ephesians 2.10 when he says this, that we are God's masterpiece, that God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long, long ago. God's got good works for you and I to do. He's got this planned out, but we have to kind of obey him and follow him and stay holy in order to do this, if you will. Remember how he started this off in Colossians? You are a chosen people. You are loved by God. And we know that. John 3.16 tells us, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but shall have eternal life. We, everybody knows that verse. But do we apply it to ourselves? God loves us that much. Now, we're going to look at the rest of Colossians' passage here. And Sue, as we do, I want you to think about something with me. What we've just talked about, let's think that's loving God. The rest of Colossians are going to be, how do we love our neighbor as ourself? So let's look at the rest of this. And to start with, Paul says we must clothe ourselves with. You got up this morning... Let's see who got pick on. Dorothy, you got up this morning and you chose to wear that outfit. You didn't have to wear that outfit. You chose to wear that out of all the clothes that Tom has bought you that's in your closet. You chose that one, did you not? Okay. And Bob, you and I, we got up and we put on what our wives told us to. <laughs> but me, me and you know the real story here. But, but she chose, somebody chose have you ever thought, just like you choose your clothes, you can choose the attitude you want to have? You, you can choose how you want to respond to people, if you will. You, you can choose, no matter how they may act, how you're going to act back toward them. And Jesus wants us to act the way he did when he walked this earth. And Paul's trying to tell us, this is what Jesus did, and this is what you need to do. First, he said, you need to clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Go look at other versions. It's going to say compassion. Tender-hearted mercy. We need to be compassionate toward people. And, and Jesus was compassionate, wasn't he? I mean, if you'll read the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, it says he had compassion upon them and he healed them. He had compassion upon them. He forgave them. He had compassion upon them. He fed them. Matthew 14, 14, he said this. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. We can have compassion on people. We should be having compassion on people. Jesus is full of God's compassion. As such, we should be too. Then he says we should be kind, or we should exhibit kindness is the way it's kind of put there. And you know what kind is, being nice toward other people. But, Larry, you shouldn't sit in front, man. I can see you. I'm going to pick on you. You know, you might want to start sitting in the back, Larry. You know, and Larry's probably kindness. You know, let's take being kind to someone, such as maybe helping them out when they're down and out. But how many times do we do this? I won't pick on you, Sue, because I know you've done this. 
Lord, I got the extra five dollars in my pocket. Do you want to give me that? Want me to give it to that guy on the corner? You need to speak quick, Lord, because the light's fixing to change. Should I really help him, Lord, or not? No, I don't. I need no sign. He didn't. He, he don't need it. Look what Jesus said in Matthew fourteen. You always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you don't always have me with you. You can show kindness to somebody whenever you want. You don't have to have a sign from heaven to show kindness from somebody. You can show kindness at any time. You don't have to have a sign from heaven to go give them a gift. You might better have a sign from heaven before you go acknowledge them, but you don't have to have a sign from heaven to be nice to somebody. That'd be a nice way to look, wouldn't it? And not only that, what if I told you kindness is one of the things that's going to tell me if you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you have God in you? Because Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there's no, no weapon formed. Galatians told us that. Paul then told us we need to be humble or have Humility, if you will. Philippians 2.3, he put it this way. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. We realize everybody has a right to their opinion, so to speak. Everybody is a creature, a creature and a creation of God, and we need to treat them some way. And we need to not think we're anything special. You know, as Paul said, Oh, but there go I. You know, I'm the greatest of all sinners. I, I could be just like them other people, so I need to be humble, not be selfish. And he put it this way in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, which is beautiful. He said, you must have in you the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. That's humility. And he calls us to be humble in much the same way. Now, he's going to follow this word with the word meekness, and you and I often take the two and we marry them together and we say the same thing. They're not. And Jesus had a special place for the meek. Remember, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Lord, I want to inherit heaven. I don't want this earth, but thank you anyway. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What's meekness compared to humility? Meek just means I don't think more of myself, if you will. In that I think about other people. I, I guess we could put it this way. If you're meek, you know your place, and somebody doesn't have to lift you up or brag about you to give you self-worth, you know where you're at, and you know everybody else, that they have the same ability to come up above you if they allow God to work in them and you accept where you're at. You're meek in the fact that I'm who I am, you're who you are, and we don't have to compare one another let's put it that way and then Paul goes on and he says the next thing we're supposed to have is patience or as King Jimmy says long suffering putting up with others Lord really 
Lord, they got, they got on my last nerve, Lord. And yet you want me to have patience with them. Lord, I'm on 98 and I-4 or 95 or 75 or wherever you may be. And there's this truck that won't let me get over. And this guy's doing this stuff in front of me. And the guy behind me is like this. And you want me to be patient, Lord. And I'm only on his motorcycle. Wow. Okay, Lord, I need help for this. I imagine we all do in today's world. Patience is not something you see. If you want to see the absolute opposite opposite of patient, just go sit in Washington, D.C. in Congress. (laughs) You know. And, you know, I'm hit with that, and I'm saying, okay, God, how do I do this? And then Paul wants to, I feel like he's already hit me in the head with a two-by-four. Now he picks up a daggone railroad timber and slaps it on me. He says, I must make allowance for others' faults. And I want to say, Lord, wait a minute. Can't you just zap them so we get along? Can't you just change them so we don't have... Lord, look. Lord, instead of making allowances for their fault, if you can't just change them, can I just not see their fault? Do I have to actually understand that there's a fault there and and acknowledge it? Because, Lord, I don't do too good when I do that. And I'm having this argument with God as I'm writing this, you know, as I'm thinking about this. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? That you have a choice. You don't have to clothe yourself with those clothes. You only have to make allowances for their faults and be patient with them if you want to be pure and holy. Do you? Now I'm thinking to myself, ouch. I'm thinking, Lord, why did you have to bring that out now? And then I have to ask myself, what do I really want? Do I want to be like Jesus and be holy? Or do I want to be what I want to be? Well, and then he picks up the train and hits me. He says, also, uh, you have to forgive them. And I won't talk back again, David. I want to keep talking to him. But Lord, you know what they, yeah, I know. Forgive, Lord. Never mind, I'll just shut up, Lord. And I think about Jesus as he was stretched out. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. Man, when I do that, now while they're nailing this hand, I'm going to be trying to hit them with the other one. I'm going to be telling them how sorry they are and how they're going to wish they wouldn't have done this because when I get down from this place, me and Daddy are fixing to clean y'all up. But he didn't do that, did he? In fact, he told us it was so important that in Mark chapter 11, he talked about when you were at the altar and you were praying and you were giving your sacrifice. He said, when you're praying... First, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Wow. You mean I've got to forgive other people before God will forgive me? Uh, He's got enough to forgive me, believe me. Paul, I I guarantee you, my list is longer than yours, so you don't have to worry about it, okay? My list of sins is probably longer than any list of all the lists you can put together that I've sent Santa Claus for a Christmas list. And I think of what he told Peter 
when Peter said, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times? And I'm like, Peter, that's pretty generous. I was thinking more like three. But then Jesus looks at him and says, no, 70 times seven. Wait a minute, I can't count that high. I don't have that many fingers and toes. That's what I'm telling you. You need to continue to forgive them. Then Paul, when he writes, he writes again. Then he says, above all, clothe yourselves with love. There it is again, clothe yourself. You have a choice to live like this or not live like this. But I'm telling you to put this on. Put love on. Love that loves your neighbor as yourself. Love that loves your enemy. Love that gives them the shirt off the back when they want the coat. Love that turns the other cheek. Love was so important that John would write this in his epistle, 1 John. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Wow. That's hard to live up to. Anyone who does not know God cannot love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, you know what Paul would write. He'd tell us about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Wow. Do you see the connections between what Jesus told us to do, what Paul wrote in Colossians, and what he writes here in 1 Corinthians and everything? That they never waver. They keep, keep telling us the same message over and over. But we don't get it here. How do we put those attributes on? What happens when we do? Well, he gives us a hint. As we can put those attributes on and live that way, he says, the peace of Christ rules our heart. The peace of Christ is not going to rule our heart until we try to do those things that he's asked us to. But once we do, that peace will rule our heart. And then Paul closes by telling us to be thankful, to allow that message of Christ, that message of how we live we just talked about, to have it fill our life. And he reminds us that we're his representatives, and that people see Jesus through us. People see Jesus in our actions. People see Jesus in our words. And sometimes I wish they wouldn't because I want to go off on them and feel good about myself. But he says, you're my representative. Be careful. What better gift could we give Jesus and the world than to let them see Jesus living in us? How much better would our world be if we did the best we could in this year of 2022 coming up to live like this? Are we really trying to? It's our choice. Just like the choice we made today of what we want to wear to to church or what you want to wear to watch me on the internet or whatever. How do you want to live in the coming year and the rest of your life? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we come forward now, we just praise your name that you have given us these instructions. And I just pray for each of us here, those that are in the sound of my voice and those that may be watching elsewhere or at a later time, that we would choose to live into your word. 
And that your Holy Spirit would help us and guide us to have these attributes that you have asked us to have. To live with generosity and humility and meekness, humbleness, and to live in love and to show others the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us to realize the importance of living the way you have instructed us to and of showing others Christ in us. We ask in your holy name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to take some requests from the congregation. If you haven't already sent it in, sent one on the internet so Christy can get it up. But uh, thank you, Mike, for coming. Does anyone have a prayer or a praise they'd like for us to remember here? One there. Okay, we'll get to you in just a moment. Miss Faye? Yeah, pray for my son and his family that are traveling from Virginia today, and also my niece who's flying in from Colorado on Tuesday morning. Okay, we probably have a lot of people we need to pray for traveling mercies, yes. Okay, Ms. Linda? I took... <clears throat> I just wanted to give praise to God that this generous congregation gave 246 pairs of socks. All right. And they were take, they were grabbed up so fast I could hardly keep the lines full. And there are very few left. I will take them to where people need them, but okay. they were almost all taken. That, that Charlie still has socks in his drawer, doesn't he? You didn't take all the Charlies. Okay. Oh, okay. He needed a new song. Okay. Any other prayer requests or phrases? He's coming. You can cancel his membership in the gym as long as he'll do this. Earlier this week, I asked for prayer for my friend Barb Biederstadt in Michigan. She has a failing liver. And has had several surgeries. She's supposed to get a transplant, but in Michigan they keep finding more hoops for her to jump through. And a couple days ago she had her fourth surgery in 11 days. She survived. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but she needs a lot of prayer. Okay. All right. Any others? Thank you. Yes, ma'am, Rosita. I just thank God that I'm here today. Has a grandmother of twins now. <laughs> but we want, we want to continue to pray for Rosita's sister, also, who's still battling cancer. So, yes. Okay. Barbara Allen Cole has some things coming up we want to pray for. Any others here? Okay. We're asked to pray for Nita Davis. Nita's not doing well. Uh, they was having a hard time waking her up yesterday. We're asked to pray for Kathy Burns. This is uh, Tom and Dorothy's daughter-in-law. Please continue to pray for Barbara. Barb, this is the one she was just talking about, Birdshot, that had the surgery yesterday. Dick and Sheridan Shepherd. Uh, Dick received word that his sister passed away this week, too. This is on top of his brother in November and his mother when he was driving back home from the service for his brother, and now his sister has passed away. So remember that family. And he's dealing with the shoulder surgery that's giving him problems. Any others? 
Also, would like you to pray this week, especially for those that have lost loved ones, and this is maybe the first, it may not be the first, but maybe the first holiday they've gone through without it, or in the way these things just affect them, and um, the grief that they still deal with. So let's pray for all that. And you know the things going on in the nation. we still got those states uh, dealing with the after effects of the storm, and other things that have happened, and I read this morning where a fire occurred and a man and his two sons were lost in this fire that started from a Christmas tree up north and, and other things like that. So let's pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace and once again we give you the praise that only you deserve. Thank you, God. Thank you that you loved us so much. That you sent your son into this world which we, we still celebrate and we celebrate each and every day in our heart as you have changed our life. As we come this day, let us give back to you the gift of obedience and the gift of love as you have loved us. As we come, we also know there are many things in the world that are, that are in a need, many people in a need, and you've heard these. We, we praise you for the good deeds for those like 246 pairs of socks being given, for those that we have fed uh, somewhere close to 2,000 families this year out of our food bank or more. And those like Metropolitan Ministries and others that were able to help people the holidays, we praise you for that. As we come, we pray for those that are need, in need this day, though, whatever that need may be. You've heard these lifted. Praying for Barb, who's had the transplant, for Barbara Allen Coyle, for Nita Davis, for the Burns' daughter-in-law. You've heard others that have asked for prayer, for traveling mercies, for their loved ones who are coming in. Or maybe going back, whatever the situation may be, we do pray for traveling mercies for them. Pray for those that have lost loved ones, those that are sitting beside a loved one's bed even now, possibly. Those that are sick this day, whatever that sickness may be, we lift them before you. Ask that you would even today alleviate pain and suffering, that you would have compassion upon them. I pray for us, Lord, that you would help us to choose to live for you and to live in such a way that others see you in us. You know the many other things going on in our world. You know the natural disasters that have affected many parts of our world and our nation here. You know of the hatred and the violence that has also touched families and communities. We lift each before you and ask that you, as only you can, would pour the oil of peace upon those, that you would bring love in the midst of all that hatred and turmoil, that even you, could, this day, would be seen to make a way where there seems to be no way. And we'll give you the praise for it. We ask in your precious name. Amen. We thank you for your support of this ministry. Your faithful and generous giving has allowed us to carry on touching those in need at this time. Your compassion is seen as you give to us and as we are able to reach out to the community. You can support this ministry by giving to Lake Gibson United Methodist Church and sending those gifts to 424 West Daughtery Road, Lakeland, Florida, 33809. Go to our website, lakegibsonumc.com. There's a way you can text give there. There's a way you can set up one-time giving. You can set up repeat giving. And if you're in here in person, there are plates as you go out the door. Whatever, we appreciate all that you do. Do remind you that Zooming the Peace and the Bible study will not be this week. It will resume the following week. Next Sunday is a communion Sunday, so you might want to ready your elements for that. And if we could have David come forward now 
and lead us in our closing hymn. Our closing hymn is 251. Go tell it on the mountain. And I remind you that this is also a charge to you and I. That as we go forth, we go tell the good news of Jesus Christ to those we come into contact with. Amen. David, if you would lead us in this, please. Uh, please stand if you want to. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there showed a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. <coughs> oh, above the earth rang out the Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation. That blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Save this benediction as we go. Now, Father, as we go forth, may you fill us with your love, your mercy, and your grace so that those we come into contact with will see you in us and will look to you for their peace also. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.